Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. What's good? It's the girl, Odalis Jasmine, and y'all are listening to Hella Latino. Welcome, welcome. Today, I'm talking to Christian Martinez, a community innovator originally from Michoacan, Mexico, and made in 90s Oakland, California. Growing up in East Oakland, he witnessed firsthand the social and educational inequalities in his community, which inspired him to become an educator. In 2011, he became an educator and creative designer. In 2017, he co-founded Latitude High School and Noche Galactica, two organizations to foster community growth and development. He's also a writer and gives us a sneak peek into some of his work in this episode, but through and through, Christian is addressing various social issues and implementing solutions to create a more equitable and inclusive society. Let's get into it. I feel like this was like years in the making, but it's just been a few weeks. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Christian. Excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for creating this space. And yeah, I feel like it's been overdue. Yes, 100%. And let's start with the first question and get right into it. How do you identify and why? Yeah, I identify as Purépecha. I was born in Guapa, Michoacán, Mexico. That's my native tribe, indigenous tribe down there in Michoacán land. And have you always been like, this is who I am? Or did you, like, where did that history and context come from? Yeah, no, I, I came here when I was 10, I think diving into a little to my story. I currently reside in East Oakland. Uh, I came from Uruapa, Michoacán with my mom, undocumented, uh, landing in East Oakland. And I think I had a lot of, like, conflicts and intersectionalities when I was trying to identify who I was in this mm-hmm. beautiful world. Uh, and it wasn't until probably I was mid-20s where I was like, yo, I, I'm Purépecha. Like, there's where I come from. And I started to learn about the Purépecha Empire down in Michoacan and how it was never conquered by the Aztecs. So I was just like, oh, that's me. Resilience to the core. And living in East Oakland is just like uh, a formula for, like, greatness. I love that. I love when you learn about your story and you're like, damn, there's so much power like in my blood, in my DNA, like that's part of who I am. That's so fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what enlightened me to continue to trust my path and trust the process. I love that. I want to dive deeper into the story because I think it's interesting when you immigrate here, when you're old enough to kind of remember, right? You know where you came from, you know where you were born and now you're going to a different place. And at that age of 10, it's just like a like you as a human, you're already evolving and changing and then throw on a whole different country, culture, language. Talk to me about that immigration story from your point of view. Yeah, no, I think first of all, like it, it wasn't for me, it was painted like we're just going on this vacation to the U.S., right? I was 10. Ideas my mom meal. was like, <laughs> my mom was like, we're just going to go probably a couple months and come back. My dad was already living in the U.S., but I was saying I had no like 
conscious or like understanding of the the legalities behind it. I was just like, I just know I'm going to mm. go see my dad in the U.S. So we ended up and we embarked on a journey via bus from Michoacan down to the border to Nogales. And at that point, I realized that we were doing something a little sketchy <laughs> when we get inside <laughs> a van. And then we ended up at this border and then we had to hop the fence. And then my mom is telling me, run as soon as you land on the other side. And I'm only 10. And I'm just like, what does this mean? I just know that I needed to follow my mom's commands at that point and ended up in this new country. Fast forward, we end up in L.A. And I walk into I love telling the story because I walk into a Mickey D's and I really thought it was a VIP because I was just like, <laughs> I never been to a Mickey D's like before in my life down in Michoacan. It was so it was it wasn't there. So when I walk in, I was like, then this is like five star restaurant, like I'm 10 and I'm just taking it all in. Eventually, we land in East, in East Oakland. And then from there, I started to really see that the world was different in so many levels, right? I go to school. I don't know the language. I, I was having headaches like on a daily basis because I was trying to learn the language as quick as I can. And then I think a lot of newcomers in this country will connect to this of if you are the one who's learning the language, you are the one ordering foods at fast food restaurants for your families. So then yep. I became the plug, like I became the one that was doing all this. <laughs> so it was just a lot of culture shocks of what is this and a lot of new learnings, new beginnings. And I'm grateful for all that. I love Mickey D's, first of all. And you were like, damn, I'm rich. That's how I felt about my family going to Olive Garden. I was like, damn, mm -hmm. we're eating with the rich folks, y'all. <laughs> But at that age, it's, it's just, it's funny to imagine that you were like, I'm going to go on vacation. Bye y'all. And then you're like going on this van and then you're hopping the fence. You're probably like, what kind of vacation is this? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I asked my mom as soon as we came and we were at that Mickey D's, I was like, mom, this is not a vacation. This is something different. And I think she was just trying to protect me of the reality, but it also like, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Right. And what about, do you know the context of your mom's point of view? What was the reason why she wanted to come to the United States? Yeah. So my dad was already in the U.S. For two years before that. When we were in Michoacan, my dad's brother got killed by the cartels. And then he was like really scared that they were going to go after the family. So one of the main reasons why we ended up just transitioning to the U.S. was because he was really scared or whatever was going to go wrong because they were looking for family members. And my mom was like, we just have to leave. Shout out to my mom because I feel like she is like, when we talk about resilience, like her image comes to mind just because it was myself, my my older brother, her. She just kind of just pushed it through and navigated all that, not knowing the language, not knowing anything about what is migrating to another country legally means. She just did it. And she's the goat. So, yeah, she's hey. here. She's still here in the U.S. <laughs> Give it up for the Latina moms because I feel like I, I think the same about my mom. Like, I think of resilience. I think of her and her story and just this sense of, like, fearlessness. But I'm sure there was fear there. Like, I don't want to discredit that. But I think the why is so much bigger. It's the protection, the mama bear in them, if you will. I think that's powerful. So talk about your queen, Christian. Talk about her. <laughs> yeah. No, she's amazing. And she ended up doing it a couple more times, like a little diving into my story. My dad started to suffer from muscle dystrophy and he ended up going back to the to Mexico undocumented. 
And then my mom went to support him down there. By the time he wanted to come back, he was in a wheelchair. So my mom ended up pushing him through the border on a wheelchair, undocumented, and ended up in the U.S. again. So yeah, that woman is the GOAT. Wow. Shout out to Mama. I want to go deeper and deeper into the story because I think, again, at that age 10, you're understanding that your environment was shaken up, like you're in a different place. Talk to me about Christian, 10-year-old, growing up in East Oakland and navigating all these firsts. Tell me about those early experiences. Yeah, I think one of the earliest experiences was just around education, Um, going to a school that had like lockers and had a cafeteria and they serve you food like coming from a town down in Michoacan where it was like a but you don't get none of that it was new to me and I feel super grateful but then I started to realize that people were starting to click up depending on like your race or depending on the language that you spoke at that time so I started to gravitate to those Mm. folks who were like new to the country not necessarily just Latinos or Latinx folks It was more of a people from all over the world who are newcomers. I remember talking to folks from like China. We didn't speak the same language, but we Mm kind of had this like same energy that we just came to a new country and we were all looked like there with the headlights of what is going on. We're just going to (laughs) click up together and be here in unity. I feel like that was one of the most like powerful things that as an adult now, I cherish that so much because as I navigated life, I'm able to like connect with folks who come from different backgrounds, not just the same area that I come from. Yeah, I think there's a special, and I'm not an immigrant myself, but I think there's a special bond that immigrants have with each other. And just yesterday, I was at my nail salon, and the guy that does my nails, he always does my nails, and we were having a conversation, and he saw my necklace, and he's, is that your name? And I'm like, no, this is the country I'm from. This is my family, blah, blah, blah. And then he's, oh, Honduras. He's like, when I first moved here, he's, I met a few Hondurans and he's, we didn't speak the same language, but we took English classes together trying to learn and navigate this country. And I was just cracking up. I was like, oh my God. And he's, yeah, we're still friends now. We still butcher the language, but we can understand each other a little more. But there's this beautiful bond I think that immigrants have of we're all here for the same reason. We may not have the same language, culture, background, even look, but we're trying to, we're trying to figure it out. Like we're trying to navigate this whole space. Yeah, I just love the like the universal struggle in a sense. Like we all have different backgrounds and come from different countries. We are seeking similar things, like sometimes the same thing, which is this like glorious Mm. American dream. Yeah. And then going into adulthood for you, how Mm. did you navigate just like these early experiences of post post school, like navigating your career. Because yep. again, it's all the first, right? You're doing it for the first time in a new country. Talk to me about those experiences and how you've been able to kind of pave your own way. For sure. I feel like educa- me and education, I just want to set the tone. Me and education have attention. When I was 17, <laughs> I started to go to uh, high school. I was a freshman there. And then by the 10th grade, I ended up getting shot here in East Oakland on my right leg. At that time, I wanted to become a professional dancer. I wanted to be a Jabba Waki, one of those dancers with the mask. But then (laughs) (laughs) at that time, it just got shattered. I was undocumented, no health insurance, like no, no access to like therapy. So the bullet's still inside of me. But because of that bullet, I feel like my life has changed drastically. After getting shot, dropping out three times from high school, 
I decided to go to work to support my mom. My dad ended up passing away when I was 18. And then I had to support my mom to fully have a place to live, food. So I started to craft this mm-hmm. different pathway. By the age I'm like 20, 22, I applied to be for a U visa. And that's how I was I was able to have the privilege to be documented in this country, not just me, but my mom. But when you say the career path is being it was in one of a kind, I want to say. As soon as I became documented, I applied to get a job at a local school to be an attendance clerk. I tried to go to college, but college tech, but without a country fees because I was under this visa and they were charging me like hella money to take classes. So I was like, oh, damn, I can do this. Now I know what it is. It's systemic violence. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I just got to figure something (laughs) out. So I started work at this local elementary school as an attendance clerk. And I I love it there because it's my community here in East Oakland. But I started to realize that a lot of the educators who were coming to teach there were not from the community and did not look like the kids. I started to really emphasize that to the administrators and say that we need more people that look like the kids in, in, in our schools. Fast forward, I was doing all the jobs, but the main job, which was teaching, because I didn't have the credentials. I understood the education pathway and I really understood like what the community needed. So fast forward um, to 2016, I, I connected with some folks uh, here in Oakland and we co-founded Latitude High School, which is the high school that is located here in the Fruitvale. So I became a co-founder of that. It's been a beautiful journey. It started in high school in the same community that so many grew up and documented, shot and fatherless. I feel like it is a a title of a movie, but it is a beautiful story that I feel has become a beacon of hope for a lot of people in my community and beyond. And now I'm in the process of starting a, I feel like it's what it is, a blueprint of my story. It's called Camino Program, Encuentra Tu Destino. And this is a program dedicated for migrant youth who are navigating outside the shadows of education. And often they have to be going to work to support their families. So this program will support them with a professional development, career navigation, and also like mentorship mm-hmm. from people who have walked that path. So I have crafted this. That's why I think when you email me, well, what's something you want to talk about? It's about redefining success. We are at the new frontier of what education and career development should look like. And I feel like often there's a lot of people who want to be engineers, want to be teachers, want to have that access, but due to their family upbringing or situations that has happened in the past, it's really hard for them to acquire that and they don't have that that access or that privilege to continue to pursue. So I say, how can we also create some of that space for them to to pursue that? I want to say that getting shot, losing my dad at the time felt really bad. But now looking back, I feel like it was part of the process and my destiny to continue to elevate folks in my community. Say it again. Say it again. That is, I think that's the beauty of our community is just the, it's the resilience, but it's the resourcefulness and creativity that comes from scarcity, right? It comes from because we don't have a lot. We have to be resourceful and creative. And the fact that you were like, listen, I may not have this traditional background, but since the minute you walked in this country, you weren't seen as quote unquote traditional. So how do you paint your own path towards success? And speaking of that, how did you define success for yourself? I think when we grow up, sometimes I don't want to generalize our whole community, but sometimes it's about money, buying a house, buying a property. What did success look like for you and how did it evolve post that shooting? Yeah, I think growing up, even I want to say during the shooting, 
it was about money. Like I was like, success mm-hmm. is money. If I have X amount of money in my account, I'm successful. And you're right. I think it came from a place of scarcity, survival mode that I have to have the bag in order to like really feel like I'm the one, right? As I transition in life and multiple experiences, I'm 34 now. I really want to say that in my late 20s, like 29, early like 30s, I started to feel that peace of mind felt like success to me. Like having to have bandwidth in my mind to think about ideas and bring into life and connect people to resources and really elevate other folks like that for me feels like success outside the money will come like we we can hustle we can do things but something that will not come and you have to seek it and when you get it is beautiful it's just having that peace of mind to really have that space for you yeah i mean what do they say el dinero va y viene like oh. it'll come and go and so it's hard to put your whole entire worthiness and success on something that is just it's wavering it comes and goes can you talk to me about being I want to talk about being a man real quick because I hey. <laughs> talk a lot. I talk a lot about being a Latina. Obviously, that's my experience, mm-hmm. but I have a soft spot growing up with four brothers. I have a soft spot for yeah. Latino men. I am curious to know how your experience was losing your dad going through a shooting and becoming almost that like man of the house and taking care of your mom. What did that do for you, whether mentally or emotionally? during that period of your time. And I, I want to ask that question for all the men who are listening, who may be going through mm. those transitions that are heavy, that are yeah. emotional. Like, how did you navigate that? Yeah, I know that is a great question. And I love answering this question. Uh, first of all, I'm the youngest of three. I have an older sister and I have an older brother. Um, I just want to also distinguish that between my brother and myself, like I'm the one who has the most privilege. Like I had the access to go to school as soon as we arrived to the U.S., and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that kind of put us in different categories and, and defining what success looks like in our navigation in life as young men. Shout out to him. He's in Texas now. But to your question, one of the things that happened as soon as I lost my dad is that I started to look for role models. Like That was the instinct thing that came to my mind. Look for role models that are going to continue to elevate you and not feel the hole that you left that left, but going to support you with stories of how they made, made it happen. I wasn't perfect, but one of the stories that I love telling people is that I was working at a at a, at a shoe shop. I was a salesman at a Foot Locker here in the Bay Area. And then some brothers from the Nation of Islam came to me and they say, hey, we love what you're doing. We appreciate that the hustle that you put in. Come work for us. And at the time, I did not know what the Nation of Islam was. I'm just Latino guy who came from Michoacan and not understanding what's going on. I was just hungry and I was like, yeah, I can work for you. So they gave me a lot of guidance and put me in in, in knowledge and wisdom with Malcolm X and who is like Che Guevara and all these revolutionaries that I started to look up to and started to really ignite this passion to create change in the world. So I want to say people like them who came out the cuts, came out of nowhere and kind of supported me. I also want to say that people that I work in different spaces, I used to work as a dishwasher. And at that restaurant that I was working at, a lot of people were coming from Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and also Mexico. And they were older. I was like the youngest one. So I was. they would always give me guidance on the things not to do and not to say or even 
just replicate and that they will see me in different places because I knew the language. So also like shouting out those people who told me you you are better than this and continue to force your path into something different. And also like just growing up in East Oakland and being surrounded by the black community, I feel like they have embraced me with so much love that they continue to just tell me to continue to just force that energy that I'm different and always dropping tokens of power, like some wisdom of what to do and, and who to connect with. And at the end of the day, I, I think one of the biggest changes in my life was reading All About Love. It's this book that talks about like how you love yourself, how, how you love your family and just also relationships. Like it's just so powerful to read and understand the development as a, as a young man to, to a man now and talk about mas- talks of masculinity and unmasking all those pieces. Like I didn't have a dad that can teach me that, but also I didn't even know if he knew that. Right. So now you got to dig within yourself to really understand what type of man you want to be and kind of walk the talk. What made you want to read that book out of curiosity? Yeah, I so being an educator, he's, I feel he's like smiling. Always... Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that I, I drop I, I guess I got to I got to put out the plug. So I also have a podcast called Notre Galactica. Right. And our first, we dropped a magazine that was called Find Your Galaxy. And we interviewed people around the community. And then we published the magazine. And then I ended up in Tokyo, Japan, doing a pop-up event over there with the magazine. And then when I was in Tokyo, I was like, what's the next chapter of this? And I said, what is love, right? I was like, what is love? So then I started to (laughs) dig deep. And I was like, oh, I got to read this book. It's all about love. And that's how I dive into it. And it was just like an amazing, I always recommend it. I buy it for people because I'm just like, this is like the holy grail to understand yourself and what you're giving to the world when it comes about love. I just need to give you all the credit and flowers for being able to just recognize this is what I want to do and being able to just dive into a topic that I don't hear a lot of Latino men talk about. I mean, men in general, right? Men in the communities that we come from. So I feel like it's beautiful for you to be like, let me go into this next chapter. And how would you, for those who are listening, who are like, nah, man, that's soft. Like, I don't want to do all that. What would you, what do you recommend? Or what do you tell your young men now? Because I know you're an educator and still in that space. How do you encourage your young men to dive into that side of them? Yeah, I say that it gives you power, right? Like the more you learn about love, Outside just romantic love, like also like love to your parents, just really quick. Even though my mom has been this powerful woman all her life, I wasn't able to tell her I love you until I was 27. Because there was this, uh, I don't know how to say that. So reading that really opens the lanes to have clear communications with your family and really talk about love and, and show it. So it's not just about being soft. I feel like it's understanding you and then also develop a relationship with others romantically, friendship that is really anchoring love and values that are going to align with you. So it's higher. I feel like sometimes it's, it's higher thinking, but it's not. As students tend to understand more than those that I talk to about this piece about love. So just double down on being curious about love and, and pursuing that energy. Love that. I want to go back to this, like redefining what success looks like and doing it in your own way, in your own saison. How... Yeah. I want to focus on the business side. How did you get from being an attendance clerk to now owning a school? What was that process like? For sure. Um, I feel like 
it was a lot of questioning, right? <laughs> I, I feel like people were like, who are you? What are you questioning? Who, why you keep asking questions? And then eventually getting on the table and, and helping design the school to eventually co-founding the school. And now it's, it, it, it all aligns, right? This is going to sound cliche, but when I was 17, going back to when I got shot and I realized that the options for me were li limited when it comes to access to higher education, I said, I'm going to make a path for myself. Moving forward 34 years now, like I have visited Harvard, I have visited you, presenting all these prestige uh, institutions without a degree, but I've been dropping knowledge. And I feel that every time I go in there, I tell people I'm the plug, no degrees, had a fake ID since I was just 13. So you cannot beat that. You cannot beat yeah. that. When you come from a different country that struggle, I, I appreciate everybody and respect your struggle, but I feel like it's you just creating your own path since you came here. So it's been a challenge, but I feel if you've put it in your vision, if you continue to drive for it, like you got to dream big and make it happen for yourself. Mm. And was there any part of you that felt like doubt? Like, can I do this? Or did you always... Like, how did you navigate that internal voice? Honestly, a lot of music. Like, I'm a poet. I write music. I feel like poetry has been, like, the savior of my life, even after I got shot and losing my dad. Like, I went into journaling and, like, creating some dope lyrics that go within, right? Like, going within all the time. Like, why would you seek external motivators when you have a story that empowers you and will empower the masses, <laughs> I also got to give a lot of credit to Tupac Shakur. That was the first rapper that I listened to coming to the U.S. And like just translating his lyrics to Spanish so I understand what he was talking to really motivated me into diving deep into who I am. So, yes, and also like believing that there's something bigger. There's a bigger world. There's a world that can be different. We just have to be willing to believe and say, what if whatever I'm thinking happens and then it happens and you want to go into the next one? And you are motivating other people. So there was doubt to your question. There was doubt. But I think the dream and the belief was bigger. That kind of reminds me of your mom's story, right? There's that fearlessness, but there's also this is going to be hard. I mean, she probably knew it was going to be difficult for y'all to get to the United States, to get to L.A., hopping fences with her child. I can't imagine what was going through her head. But that dream was just so much bigger. And I honestly feel like when we understand where we come from, the resilience of the tribes that you come from, right? Like you start to understand that there's this innate power inside of you that can really help you move those mountains and barriers and doubts, not that they're ever going to go away, but I think it, there's just like this innate power that we have. And I want to also talk about you being in this situation of now opening up a school. What was that process like? How did you start to create, whether it's a bit, not a business, whether it's like staff, get your teachers, like how did you start to put these pieces of owning a school together? Yeah, so I started really shy. I, I knew I had a dream and I'm well known in the community and I have been an educator by this point for, for five years or six years of being a community activist, like a, a, a parent liaison. So a lot of people knew me. So when I said I'm going to be co-founding this high school, there was a lot of attraction. So I became the recruiter. At the beginning, I wasn't really in the mix of curriculum because I felt kind of that's not my lane. I don't have a degree. That's not my lane. I can support with yeah. everything else about that, right? So 
fast forward three years into having the school, I end up going to Long Beach because I'm big on fashion. So I go to Long Beach and I go to this place called Complex Con, which is a big fashion thing that happens in LA. And then an idea came to mind. What if we can create all the students that take my class, they can create their own brands. So I started to do like brand strategy with students and taught a class there. Eventually, like all the, the seniors who graduated ended up having their own brands as they graduated high school. And I taught that class. And I feel like that created so much good energy and people wanted to be part of the next frontier education that I became this like Martinez is the guy that wears all hats. You talk to him about behavior. You talk to him about <laughs> academics. You talk to him about like engagement with families. But at the end of the day, I just started to create my own lane, which is community innovator because I'm here to innovate. Uh, but it was hard, though. I think to the point it was hard because a lot of time people didn't give me that that label of, oh, you are an educator because I didn't have the degrees. So I had to throw elbows metaphorically and tell people, nah, I'm here. Like, I know what I'm doing. Just because I don't have a paper that says that doesn't mean that I'm less than. So I think it, it was hard, but people respect me and I appreciate everybody who created that space for me. And really it was around equity. Like you have, you like, you started a little bit later in the race, but still going to create that space for you to continue to move forward. All right. So Martinez, you are a community innovator. You are a brand owner. You're a podcast host. You're educator, founder. I mean, list goes on. Did you, when you were younger, did you have a dream? Like, I want to do this or I want to do that. Or did you feel like it was always changing? Talk to me about that journey of who do I want to be when I'm older? What do I want to do? Yeah. Did you ever think about that? You know what? Yeah. The, the crazy thing is that when we came to the U.S., my mom and my dad and my brothers, everybody work as janitors, right? Like cleaning offices. And I, I saw myself doing the same, right? Like it wasn't until I dropped out of high school that the options became like, oh, I got to hustle in whatever comes my way. I started selling shoes. I started selling clothes. Then I became this, what is now known, entrepreneur. But back then it was like, you, you are a hustler. You're just making a life. And that really built me up to do what I do now. But I didn't thought I was going to be doing all this. <laughs> it's it's funny how I feel like I'm listening to your story and it sounds like you just followed your own time and your own compass. Like you're like, I'm going to just go where the energy is flowing. And I think that may come from your artistic side because you're a poet, you're a lyricist. There's just energy around things will come and do you feel like you trust your gut often? Like I'm hearing your story and I'm like, damn, this man tra trusts his gut like hard and heavy. And I, that's a superpower. Do you feel like that's how you feel about yourself? Yeah, I feel like that's the only thing that has been like very transparent and consistent with myself is like my gut. Mm. So I trust it. If it's time to move, make a move in life, career choice, whatever it is, like the gut is the first thing that pops up. And it's crazy, but people sometimes don't believe me, but it comes in dreams too. And I'm so in tune with that. It's just like second nature. Are you like clairvoyant? Is that what you call it? Yep. Something like that. My mom's the same way. She's always, and it always like happens. I'm like, <laughs> you yep. superpowers, superpower. Yep. And now you're here. Tell me about where you're at in this time of your life right now. Like where's Christian at? What's going on in his life? I know you're doing a lot, but. Do you feel like you've found your purpose? Do you feel like there's more you got to do? Talk to me about this moment in your life. 
Yeah, so this moment in my life, this chapter of my life, I like to call it peace of mind, where I have achieved that. Going back to the success piece, I feel like I have achieved this peace of mind, and I have agency on what I want to do in life. Last year was my last year working at the high school that I co-founded, and now I have venture into starting a nonprofit and also really betting on myself again. I have a creative agency that helps organizations develop their digital story storytelling. So I'm doing those two things and also like doubling down on just being with my mom because we are getting older and spending quality time with folks who really show me love and appreciate me. And I'm going back to school to get that BA, that paper, after I have completed everything on the books without it. So it's just now it's time to pour water into me. And that's the chapter mm -hmm. of my life I'm on. I love that chapter that you're in right now. And you're smiling. I could tell you're just excited about what's coming next. I just want to applaud you for the things that you're doing. And for folks who are listening who may have questions about how do you, like, how do you pay attention to your gut? How do you listen to your gut? Like, how can folks who are listening, how can they practice that skill of listening to your gut? Because sometimes I feel like your gut can be confused with fear or doubt, right? But how do you compartmentalize and focus on like, this is what my gut is telling me. This is what I got to do. Yeah. I, I guess the number one thing is like when you start to feel really weird in spaces around people just out of nowhere, I didn't know how to define it when I was younger. I really thought it was fear. Like I was like, oh, that's just fear. I'm fear of this person. I'm fear of this environment. I'm fear X, Y, Z. But the older I got, I started to realize that there is there's a lot of different things that kind of play out and I kind of test it. So if I'm in a place where I started to feel like the energy is not right, maybe I feel like I'm wanted here. Maybe I feel like something's about to go wrong. Maybe I feel like it's just now my place to be. I had transition from those places and eventually something has happened there. Right. So the more mm -hmm. validation I get from that, I'm like, oh, my gut is with me. My gut is telling me this. So I think just pay attention to how your body reacts around people, how your your thoughts yeah. even start to feel around people. And also like in, in work environments, right? Like how you feel at your job. Because then that's also a sign of your gut telling you, I'm, I'm getting stopped. Creativity juice is not here. You are not gaining no momentum. So I'm always seeking for that place of peace of mind in a sense where I'm like, this is it. So paying attention to how your body reacts, not just a lot of your mind, but just your body. Do you get sick often? What is going on? Oof, I love that. I, I just seen something that said like your, <coughs> what your mind blocks out, your body knows and remembers. Like our bodies are so intelligent. If we can learn to tune into it every now and then and just be, it could be so powerful. I also want to ask you a question around being an immigrant. Again, you remember this. You're 10 years old. Yeah. How do you think being an immigrant has helped you? You're coming from your tribe, right? Like, how do you feel like your roots have helped you navigate life as an adult? Yeah, I think that being the, the immigrant experience and, and being in the U.S. in a different country has made me who I am now. If it wasn't for that push of going to a different country without knowing what's going on i don't know if i had the guts to create everything i have done right i feel like i jumped mm -hmm. with the leap of fate knowing that i came to this country with nothing but what i was wearing and my mom so everything else is a win 
So whenever I walk into situations where I'm questioned, I always remember that I came here without nothing. So everything else is going to be a win. So I think having that mindset of whatever it takes by any means, we are in this thing. Okay, Mr. Lyricist, can we hear it like a poem, a lyric? Can we get a sneak peek? I, I okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm okay, actually doing a, a keynote tomorrow, so <laughs> we're here. Yeah, I think I wrote this piece. I want to say like about two years ago, but it's a piece that is really tells the story of who I am. So, it's here it goes. Oh my god, I'm so excited! All right, let's hear it. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Cristian Martinez, hijo de pueblo. Como Tupac y su casa, escribiendo versos de celeste de O, que sin disquera y sin lana, pura energía, magia de mi ma, cama y negativa, hombre de color, no doctorado, matando hijos y con mucha ambición. Vengo de la nada como mi madre, mi padre y todos mis camaradas. Vengo del este. Oh, okay, I'm going to need to send this to like record labels. I don't even know if they're going to pay attention to me, but I will like knock on their door. <laughs> That's fire. Can I hear about your love story with music and like where yeah. did that come from? Yeah, I I writing like writing music and creating lyrics and and all these pieces. I really want to say like Tupac's record was big. Reading yeah, about his story, yeah. like all these pieces, is just really embedded in who I am and how I write. And then it was just I didn't have access to therapy when I was younger, so I was like, what should I do? I have so many thoughts in my head. So I started to write music, and through music, I was able to find this healing voice that helped me propel into something, into different spaces. So music, I, I'm always a big, I, I analyze a lot of the lyrics that people put out, big artists put out. So I'm always thinking, what is, what are they going through their lives and how they combine it to the masses? And I feel like that's also really big when it comes to branding and strategy. So I'm always thinking, you want to make people feel what you're feeling and feeling compelled to change the world. So with music, I aim to do that. There's a stat that says people remember stories 22 times more than facts alone. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that in terms of like, how do they tell their story? It's, it's not about all the achievements and the awards and all that. It's the story, right? What story are you telling? And it, the beautiful thing about art and, and poetry and storytelling is that seven parts of our brains are literally activated when they hear a story, when they hear a lyric. And it's because we connect to it on a deeper level. We feel something when we hear a Tupac lyric or when we hear what you just said right now, like your lyrics, we feel something, we feel connected to that human. Whereas if you're just telling me I'm Christian Martinez and I've done this and that, I'm like, well, that's dope. <laughs> but where's the feeling? Where's the story? Where's the connectivity? And I feel like I, I always love hearing about that love story with arts because sometimes it does come from those moments of I just want someone to talk to. Let me just pour all these feelings yeah. and thoughts onto paper. That's beautiful. So when yeah, we no, see you on the big screen, just got to say, <laughs> on Hell Latina. <laughs> hey, that's what's up. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I have one last question for you as we wrap up. How can people connect with you? How can they listen to your podcast to buy your brand? Like, how can they connect with Christian Martinez? Yeah, for sure. You can connect with me via christianmartinez.net or you can go on the gram. It's Noche Galactica. Uh, on, I, my, my artist name is Poeta Galactico because I come from out of space. And then my brand is called Swim Good. And then my nonprofit is Camino Program. You can tap in.
And I'm also here to support people. If you need some like a, a homie who can plug in some ideas and ideate with you, I'm always open to do that too. Amazing. Amazing. And then let's close out with the brindis. I have my water hey. and I know it's bad luck to cheers with water. So I'm just going to like physically hey. or not really physically cheers with you. Okay. Okay. But okay. I want to ask you, <laughs> I want to ask you, what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for our comunidad latina? Yeah. I would love to cheer and also manifest that people are able to trust their stories and lean more on them because that's where you find everything you want, right? Like just trust in your story, trust in your path and elevate. I'm in a word. Smart water your Jamaica. Cheers. <laughs> hey, I want to Jamaica. Cheers. Mm. Cheers to you, cheers, Christian. Cheers. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing, for just being vulnerable on the platform and for being real no, about thank you. What, you, what your journey and story look like and how you paved your way. And I hope everyone's listening is encouraged and inspired to not let this systemic disrespect leave us out of the out of the path right like we we can be successful too so shout out for to you sure. Christian. thank you no thank you for making this space and and again this is beautiful appreciate you i just want to give some big big love to christian thank you for doing such amazing work in your community and for creating an equitable and inclusive society paso a paso and for also sharing your story on this platform and to all y'all community change makers and innovators, thank you. Thank you for the work y'all doing. To follow Christian, go to Instagram, go to Noche Galactica, X instead of a C in Noche, and you'll find him. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Christian Martinez, or his website, www.christianmartinez.net. See y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram and find me on LinkedIn, Odalis Jasmine. For more information, my website, odalisjasmine.com, has a little bit more. Y con mucho amor, tu amiga Andorena. <laughs>